launching into our third week, I think, or is that fourth week? Third week for our Ask Anything series. If you're visiting with us, don't know what's happening. We, um, we, we, we decided to answer some of our students' questions. So every other year or so, we decide to take your questions and then turn those questions into a series. And so every week is like vastly different. And the purpose of this series, guys, listen, the purpose of this series is to encourage you to wrestle with your questions while you're still in the church. One of my biggest pet peeves about the church is that the church is seen often as a place that people are not allowed to have questions or wrestle with questions. And so we typically um, tend to shun those kinds of things. So we want to make sure that you know from us that um, church should be a place where you can wrestle with these ideas, have hard questions, and, um, and we'll try to wrestle through those together. So um, the first week we discussed, uh, Kim discussed racism with you guys, really important topic. We discussed the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives last week, and today is totally out of left field. And here's the question for today. What is appropriate for Christians as entertainment? Told you it'd be a grab bag, right? It goes from Holy Spirit to that, right? Well, actually, there's quite a bit of connection between last week and this week. You'll see as we go on here this morning. But um, So this is our question this morning. Uh, what is appropriate for Christians as entertainment? I'm going to warn you this morning that this talk is going to feel a little bit incomplete because this is a highly nuanced discussion. And so I'm going to give you some principles this morning um, to make your decisions as you walk through this part of your life. But I expect today's talk to raise a lot more questions for you than it might answer. So if you have further questions beyond today, please feel free to pull me aside. Dave, what did you mean when you said this? Uh, email me, text me, whatever it need, you need to do to kind of clear things up once we finish this morning, please do so. I don't want to leave you hanging and, and have, have you have more questions at the end of today's talk. So keep that in mind. So to start things off this morning, I'm going to have you guys do questions one and two at your tables. Go ahead and discuss questions one and two at your tables. All right, now that you've had time for everyone to feel convicted, we can start with the rest of our discussion. So I want to point you guys to a book that I'm taking most of this talk from. I'm trying to, I'm trying to boil it down from this book I read this past week. And this is actually a book that um, I bought at last year's Student Life Conference. This guy spoke at last year's Student Life Conference, and it's called Chasing Elephants, Wrestling with the Gray Areas of Life. He really does a really good job in the first part of the book looking at biblical passages that relate to a lot of the gray areas of life we have to struggle and wrestle through. Then he's got like five chapters after that that deal with various gray areas of life we have to wrestle, wrestle through as Christians. So if you like to read and want to be educated further, buy that book, purchase it, and read through it on your own. And I'm taking a lot of what I'm saying today from one of the chapters of that book. So um, so starting off, I think when it comes to entertainment, there are really two extreme viewpoints that a lot of Christians fall into. So the first extreme viewpoint that some Christians fall into is, um, I should avoid anything secular and should only watch movies produced by or starring Kirk Cameron. Might sound extreme, but some people do live their life by that. Um, the next viewpoint is also extreme. What I watch doesn't really affect me, so I can really watch whatever I want. And if you think that I'm making this last one up, let me explain this story to you. Um, 
you might think to yourself, well, I mean, of course, no one who claims to be a Christian would really say that last point, right? That's pretty extreme. But I'll just tell you a story of what happened about two years ago. I shared this, I think, a little while ago, and I'll share it again. It's a really important story, I think. But a couple years ago, I was um, just on Facebook looking at some stuff, and then um, one of my former students said, you know, hey, we're going to go see this movie tonight. And he said, but it's really sad because I'm seeing, like, TBC people in line going to see this other movie called Magic Mike. And I'm going, I have small kids. I am, like, totally out of the cultural pipeline. So um, we watch, like, Dora the Explorer and, like, Peppa Pig in my house. So that's what I know about right now. So I go online, I'm like, what's this movie, okay, what's this about? So I look up on IMDb, I'm like reading the parental advisory, I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm like scrolling through for hours as I read through the sexual content in this film, I'm going, you've got to be kidding me. And so then the next day, I'm on Facebook again, I see one of my former students who I think was now in college at this point, and she, I'm not going to mention names, she was on Facebook, she posted a little selfie of her and her little sisters, one of who was in junior high, saying, girls night out, going to see Magic Mike. And I'm sitting there going, are you kidding me? Like, you've got to be kidding me. And so I know the dad, and so I just said, like, there's no way this dad knows about this. Like, I feel obligated to, like, talk to this dad about, like, hey, you know, your older daughter's, like, taking your junior high daughter to, like, see a male stripper movie? Did you know that? <laughs> Just make sure you're aware of that. And so I pulled this um, dad into my office, and um, he said he'd come and meet with me. So we met, and I explained to him, just kind of like, you know, I, I don't know if you know about this, but here's what happened. Here's what I saw on Facebook, and I'm, I feel bad bringing this up to you, but she made it public, so I'm going to bring this to you as her, as her father. And his words floored me. He said to me, well, Dave, this might surprise you, but I actually bought their tickets, and their mother went with them. At this point, I'm like red in the face going, what planet are we all living on? This is making no sense to me. This is making no sense. I think at one point, as he began to try to, I explained to him why I felt like this was wrong, and as a father, how could you do this with your daughters and those kinds of things, and and. He began to explain and justify and give me reasons. That was the scary part. It wasn't just like a slip in judgment, like, yeah, yeah, I made a mistake, I should have done. It was more like, no, I did. I thought it through, and I have reasons. And, I, and at one point, I, I went back and I went, okay, now I'm just getting angry at you as a dad. I, I have a daughter who's four. She was probably two back then. I said, dude, I can't imagine handing her money and saying, here, go see that movie. I, I can't imagine doing that. And he began to say things to me like, well, you know, I mean, she's going to college next year, so I feel like she needs to know what's out there, and she needs to know the culture. And I said, look, dude, like, I understand what you're saying, but this is totally, like, over that line. I think we can all agree on that. So I will say, there are people, in the, plenty of people in the church that would live their life by that last viewpoint. What I watch doesn't really affect me. In fact, some Christians would even say, what I watch helps me understand the culture better, and so they find reasons to justify sin. And this is how some of us can live. And so I want you to know this morning that um, 
we've got to understand there's got to be some kind of middle ground here, right? That we have to figure out and understand in this part of our life. So turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. We're looking at just these two verses today. And then we're going to get some principles from this passage. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. It says, Paul says, um, All things are lawful for me. Now, when you see the quotations in this verse, here's what that means. Paul is reciting back to the Corinthians some of their slogans and their culture. This is not what Paul is saying. He's reciting, he is saying back to them, okay, you say, all things are lawful for me. Quote, but not all things are helpful. Those are Paul's words. All things are lawful for me. That's the Corinthians' words, their slogan they live by. Paul's words, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. The Corinthians' words, Paul's words, and God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. So what Paul is doing is he is taking some of their slogans that they live by in Corinth. In their culture, it is all things are lawful for me. So if they had a little... I don't know, an ox cart with a bumper sticker. It might actually have that slogan on the, on the back of their ox cart, right? Um, the funny thing about this is our culture today, at least maybe two years ago, we had the statement, what? YOLO, right? Everyone said that. And these guys were YOLO before YOLO was cool. So these guys are like ahead of the game here. And so they had the slogan in their, in their culture, all things are lawful for me. In other words, if I want to do this, then I'll partake. If I want, if I have a desire in my body for this, whatever that is, then it's perfectly okay for me to partake in whatever that, that is. The statement, the food is for the, food is for the stomach, the stomach is for food. This went beyond just food. That was like a statement that meant for any appetite. They saw life and their body as just one big appetite. And that life was about just feeding your appetites, whatever they might be, just feed your appetites. This is what it meant to be a human being in the city of Corinth. And so they also applied this, of course, to their sexuality. So they saw their entire life this way. And so what Paul is saying, he is saying, even if all things were lawful, which they're not, but even if they were, as a Christian, we have to say, not all things are beneficial. Not all things are helpful for you spiritually. And he asked to, he, he makes some t- two really important points. He says, all things are not helpful. And he also says, I will not be dominated by anything. And so the Corinthians were giving themselves all kinds of sensuality and lust and, and drink and all kinds of parties. And this is how they live their life. And Paul is saying, but, but look, look what kind of slavery you're in. Look at the hold this thing has over your life. Like, you can't sit there and say, hey, look at me, I'm free, as you go off into your addictions and your bondage. You can't justify that. Not every single thing is helpful for you spiritually, and not everything, it's not good to be dominated by these appetites. And so, um, we want to raise four questions this morning that relate to entertainment for Christians. So the first question that I want you to write down is um, this one. 
are my entertainment choices within the explicit moral will of God? This is the most in-your-face question we're going to look at this morning. Are my entertainment choices within the explicit moral will of God? There are some things that are black and white, right and wrong. Sin. And I would put um, anything with sexual content, I would put in that category. So this guy telling me that it's okay for me to give his daughter the tickets for Magic Mike, I'm like, okay, that's black and white. I'll tell you right now, it's black and white, it's sin. There's no questions asked there. It's, it's black and white, right and wrong. And I'm going to tell you this morning that if you're watching, if you're reading, if you're listening, if you're playing video games that have this kind of content in it, then it is sinful. You might ask, well, how do we know that? If you um, have read Matthew chapter 5, verse 28, Jesus says, the Sermon on the Mount, he says, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So I'll remind you that Jesus is talking to an ancient culture that was a lot more modest than today. And so people typically wore lots and lots of clothing, right? And so if Jesus is saying, it's wrong for you to look lustfully at someone, and this is a culture that has lots of clothes on, if he's saying it's possible to lust after someone when they have all these clothes on, that's still possible, and that's still sinful to look at someone that, that way in a lustful way when they're, they're fully clothed, then I'm going to guess that he would also say it would be lustful if you're watching a film and there'd be lustful intent there if you're watching a film and the clothes start coming off. All right? I'm going to guess that he, he would say that that would apply to that as well. If it's possible to lust after someone in a culture where they were fully clothed much of the time, then I would say that it's also possible to lust after someone when everyone um, is on the screen and the clothes are flying off, right? I think we'd agree with that. Now, I'll tell you, a a few years ago, I had a a former student who I was kind of discipling him at the time, and I said to him, we were discussing these kinds of things. He said, yeah, he goes, I can really watch anything I want, even stuff like that, and it doesn't affect me. And I just went, you're a liar, dude. Like, how can you honestly say that? How can you honestly say that you can watch that on the screen and it's not, there's not lust going on there? How can you honestly say that? If that's the case, then you're just not human. You're some kind of robot or something. Alien. But you cannot say to me and justify that you can watch that and I'm just totally not affected by those kinds of things. It's, it's a complete lie. And so I'll give you some, uh, what my wife and I tend to do. We actually, um, screen everything we watch. So before we watch a movie, we always pull up on either imdb.com or even screenit.com. It's another website you can go to, screenit.com, if you want to read stuff like this. And you look at what's in the film or so you're about to watch. And I would highly recommend that you do this for anything you watch, because for my wife and I, if something has sexual content, like we're not going to watch it. We're just not going to watch that. But you've also got to guard yourself sometimes based on the topic, because in our situation, um, even if a show doesn't have a lot of like actual content in it, um, I will tell you that if I'm, if there's a movie where the entire point of the film is like a sexual affair, but there's not like explicit content in it, I'm still not going to go watch that. Just the topic alone is an ender for me. 
I'm not going to go down that road. And so you've also got to be careful that is the topic a very sensual topic? May not show a lot of detail, but is the topic itself one that could cause you to fall into that kind of temptation? And at home, so I'll go, if, if when it comes to the theater, like we will not see things in the theater that have this kind of stuff in it. So if we're watching something at home and we're not quite sure what's going to be in this, we sit with remote in hand, right? This is how we approach it. And so I highly encourage you, don't watch things alone. There's no accountability. And so even if there's a scene that doesn't show a lot of detail, it's like we're there holding each other accountable like to hit skip. We're not going to watch that. And so you've got to guard yourselves and be vigilant about that um, as you live out these kinds of things. Another rule for me is that I don't watch things. I never watch stuff without her being there. Because I know in my own flesh, way too much temptation. Way too much temptation. I'm not going to do it. And I want to remind you this morning also that you've got to understand something. There is no TV show and there is no movie that you absolutely have to watch. I know like where you're at in life, like there, um, I know how it is. Like whenever you know all your friends are going to see whatever movie it is, and they're going to have all the little inside jokes, the funny one-liners, and you're left out of the circle, not going to have any idea what they're talking about. I understand the pressure that you feel of, like, I've got to see that, because if I don't, for the next year and a half, I'm out looking in. I'm not going to know what they're talking about. And so you feel this inherent pressure to, like, buy in, because that's what everyone else is doing, and if I don't, then I'm the person who's left out of the equation. And so... This morning, what I want to do, I actually have a little special guest with us this morning who's going to um, share a couple of words with you just about her own life and just how God has kind of shaped her um, in that. And so that person is my wife. So bring her up on the stage. She's going to come up on stage and just speak for a little bit. Yeah, give her a hand. And I talked her into this at like 1030 last night. So can I ask forgiveness in advance? Okay. So she'll speak to you for a few minutes. Here she is. Hey, guys. How are y'all? Um, well, I can really understand uh, this struggle a lot. Um, I've struggled with this for a long time. And if I'm really honest, it's probably been within the last three to seven years that God really, really began to press this issue on my heart. So um, this is not like I'm sharing a struggle. It's like, oh, back when I was your age, I had this struggle. It's a still a very recent struggle. Um, when I was in junior high, I was the kid that didn't know about any of the movies or music that was in. I would always be like, what's that music? I've never heard that before. And um, I got interested in acting and started doing some speech tournaments in junior high and, man, that just clicked for me. I was like, oh, I want to act. I want to be an actress. Um, you know, I'd buy a little book of duets or monologues and stuff and practice it in my room, in front of the mirror, holding the brush, of course. Um, no, None of y'all, I'm sure, have done that. So um, just got really interested in it. And with that came an interest in movies and actors and actresses and just really became an obsession. And I actually almost brought my mint green trapper keeper notebook with puffy paint that was like my favorite actors and actresses but 
I think I might have thrown up had I disclosed that to y'all and gotten that vulnerable. So um, I understand this. And my parents were very strict, so I wasn't allowed to watch any of those movies that were my favorite actors and actresses. So I was like, I've got to find a way to be able to watch this stuff. And so for me, it really became and started out with a kind of a defiant attitude of like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to find a way to watch this stuff. And so I'd go and spend the night with friends, and I'd be like, hey, why don't we watch this movie? I've heard it's good. And um, so with that, I got more into acting, got into theater in high school. And uh, really, that was a period in my life where I was fully walking away from the Lord, not following him, not hanging out with anyone that wanted to follow him. And what I watched just became a non-issue. I mean, it was like, hey, if it's... Uh, a good movie, and I was very interested in good scripts and good acting. Um, so I kind of thought I was above the crowd. I wasn't going and watching, like, you know, shoot 'em up movies, but I was of a more elite crowd that liked to watch artsy stuff. But in many ways, those movies have a, a lot more content that's questionable. Um, but somehow, in my own arrogance and pride, thought I wasn't being affected, that I was looking at it more from the art perspective. Um, and so as I walked away from the Lord, just what I watched did not matter at all. And when God really began to get a hold of my heart, um, in college and brought me back to him, I can remember a specific day just sitting in my apartment, um, at college and I decided to clean my room out and there was a pile of books and music and picture and journal entries and all this stuff that I had collected in my time away from the Lord that I just went, I can't have this in my life anymore. And just how subtle and slowly that moved into my life. And suddenly it was just the weight of my sin just staring me in the face of like, this is what I have been putting into my mind and heart. Um, but obviously sanctification is a slow process and um, there was still times, you know, in my marriage, I married Dave and Dave, you know, had not walked away from the Lord. So he had a lot more wisdom and maturity in this area of what he watched. And I didn't, I mean, I, I'll be honest, like I did not. And I would be more apt to go, but Dave, the acting's so good, or this is like, this person's nominated for an Academy Award. And I would make concessions, make concessions. And probably around the time that I had kids, I really began to kind of, you know, I can't even take credit for it. I, I really believe it was the Holy Spirit really just began to press on my heart. Like, do you really have to watch that? Do you really need that? And God was beginning to reveal to me my closed hand in this area of my life that I would not let him have it. It was still an area of defiance. I'm a pastor's wife. I talk to you kids about this stuff. And yet he began to show like, you really are not giving me this part of your life. And so I began to to say, you know, it's not the end of the world for me to not see this movie or to not see this person act in this movie. I don't care if it's nominated for an Oscar. And, I mean, it sounds so stupid, but we all do this. We all struggle and make these concessions at times. Um, and I think that that is something that I just would love to press into y'all's heart is just having an open hand with these things. Um, at recent situation of just how subtle these issues can come up. Our small group, we were going to go for a girls' night out. I hate that statement. It's such a cheesy statement. Girls' night out. Um, 
but we were going to go see a movie, and I had not heard about this book. I didn't read the book, um, but I heard that Gone Girl was good, and some other people were like, oh, yeah, I want to go see that. And we set the movie time, set the theater. We had it all set up, and I went, just thought, and again, I really believe it's the Holy Spirit, just said, oh, let me just check this really quick on IMDb, guys, before we leave. And I checked it, and I was just like, whoa, okay. And I just looked up, and I just made the call, and I said, guys, we can't see this. Like, this is just not, I can't watch this. Um, I don't know if I would have done that five years ago. I don't know if I would have put my foot down like that. And so I just really want to encourage you to allow the Holy Spirit to work and move in your life. There is, There truly is a freedom in just being able to say, that does not matter enough to me. So, thanks. Thank you for sharing. <clears throat> and she was nervous about sharing. She wasn't nervous at all when she was up here. Um, really appreciate her vulnerability and just sharing that with us. Uh, I want to give you like three more principles that you can think through when you're thinking through these kinds of decisions. Number two, are my entertainment choices being made under the control of the flesh or the Holy Spirit? And this is based on Galatians 5. I don't have time to go into that passage, but you can read it on your own. Are my entertainment choices being made under the control of the flesh or the Holy Spirit? That's a really convicting question because whenever we're forced into the corner with that kind of question, you're like, well, there's <laughs> probably a little more flesh and Holy Spirit directing this decision. But ask yourself, honestly, what's driving my entertainment decisions? What's really behind, what's the force behind it? Is it my flesh or is it the Holy Spirit? Is it the old self or is it the new self? And when I ask you this question, I'm talking about more than just language, violence, and sexuality. I want you to think even beyond just those. Those are the three, right? Like Those are the three things we think of when we think of bad film. We think, okay, does it have violence? Does it have sexuality? Does it have language? If it's not any of that, then we're like, okay, good, I can watch it, right? And But sometimes a show might not have much of those three things, but it still causes some sins to rise up in you. I'll give you some examples, not names of shows, but when you watch certain things, do you find yourself like coveting? When you watch cer certain shows, do you find yourself getting angry at a certain character and you take it out on your little sister, right? But do you find yourself just certain sins rising up in you as a result of some of the things that you watch? I can actually give you a very real-life example for me, and it's the Washington Redskins, Okay. Like, I had to quit watching them this year because I'm like, I just get angry watching my team lose horribly every week. I'm not joking. I mean, I mean that. Like, I would get angry. I'm like, why is this little brown ball as they advance? Why is this thing dominating my life and making me angry at life for a whole day? Why? It's got too much of a hold on me. And so I had to just take a break and go, I can take a break for an entire season. Let's just do that. Maybe next season, too. We'll see how that goes. But seriously, what sins do you feel rising up in you as you watch things and expose yourself to these kinds of things? Because we all have that thing that will get us. So don't judge me, right? Like some of you girls are like, how can football be so dominating? Let's go shopping, right? And so it's like everyone has that thing that they do. Everyone has that thing that they just lean towards. We all have that. So don't, don't judge people, right? Now the third um, question I want to ask you is, 
Do my entertainment choices addict or enslave? Do they enslave you? Based on 1 Corinthians 6.12. So in the passage, Paul says, I'll not be dominated by anything. I'll not be mastered by anything. So again, even if the content's not bad, is the show addicting? Do you have to watch? Do you say things like, I can quit if I want to. I just don't want to. Do you think that way? Do you you organize your schedule around things? Do you say no to friendships because of a show you need to watch? Which if you didn't know, there's DVR now. You can watch it later, right? And so do you you organize your entire life around these things? And um, here's a convicting one for you. Are you saying no to time in God's Word and your prayer life because you want to watch something? Are you prioritizing that over time in His Word and your prayer life? Another convicting one for us. Do you find yourself beginning to act or even dress like some of the people that are in the shows that you love? Like, I don't even know. I was, I was shown this week. Um, I was like, what are the top shows now? I don't even know because I don't watch a lot of stuff right now. Don't have time. I have kids. And so um, I Googled the top 20 shows of last year, and I recognized the title of like three of them. The rest, I'm like, I have no clue. I have no clue. So just shout out some names. What are the top shows in your world right now? Just give me some names, quickly. I can't make out any of your titles. Say say it again. Okay, that one. I don't know. Walking Dead, I hear Bachelor, I hear various shows. All right, so I don't know. I don't want to, you know, show you my age here and and say a show that you don't actually think is, is a good show. But, so, um... But if you, if you can look at someone, listen, if you can look at someone and go, that girl looks like she likes that show, fill in the blank, whatever that show is, or that guy, he looks like he must watch that show, like fill in the blank, whatever that is. Now, this might not work with Walking Dead because, you know, it's a different deal. In fact, my, um, about uh, last October, we went to SeaWorld, my wife and I with the Cartwrights went to SeaWorld for close to Halloween. And they have, like, these, like, fright nights at SeaWorld. And um, it was so weird because we're having, like, fun. Like, daytime SeaWorld was great. It was, like, fun. There's Shamu, or at least the one they call Shamu right now. And um, we're having fun. And then at nighttime, the zombies come out. And they get people, like the Walking Dead, like, walking through SeaWorld just to kind of scare the small children. And... There's a guy on stilts, like freaky guy on stilts, like looking like a zombie. And I'm thinking, I was thinking to myself, like, where did they find these people? Like, these people are, like, do you have auditions for that? Like, do you, can, can you grunt and walk with a weird limp and scare small children? Can you do that? Can you come be, come be a part of our Fright Night at SeaWorld? And so, if, if you find yourself, listen... If you find yourself really kind of taking on the persona, that's kind of a joking deal, but taking on the persona of some of the characters and the people of the shows that you like to watch, it may be dominating your life a little bit too much. The fourth point I want you to see is, does this entertainment choice go against my conscience? So Romans 14, 14, you can read it on your own later. But does it go against my conscience? Some things are black and white sin. They're right or wrong. They're either sinful or not sinful. But there are some things in your conscience that you just know you shouldn't watch or listen to it. 
Like you might not be able to find a rule or a verse that says you should or should not watch this or listen to this, but you just know in your conscience, you just know, you know what? That's a struggle for me. Like I know I can't listen to that. I know I can't watch that. And it might be fairly tame in some of these areas, but you just know that it causes you to struggle. And so this would be a violation of your conscience. This is the Holy Spirit um, prodding your conscience saying, no, this is not right for you to watch or listen to or to read. It's God's conviction of you. So this is the Holy Spirit. Last We discussed it last week. The conviction of the Spirit is saying it's not sinful necessarily, but maybe it's just not wise. You see, something you have to understand, especially at your age, is that some things may not be sinful, but they're just not wise. There is a difference. They're just not wise. Like you just, you just know that if I do that, it's going to lead to this, because it always does, and I just can't go down that road. Because some things, even if they're not sinful, they might not just be wise for you to do. Because one of the issues I think we fall into is we, we see things very black and white, like right or wrong, and say, there's some gray here, there's some gray here. So you've got to use great wisdom. And so, um, I don't know, is, is Robert Arnold in the room today? Is he here? I don't think I see him walked in today. But anyway, his, his uncle is actually an actor out in um, Hollywood. He does some commercials. He does some TV shows. He's been on some things. And I know him. We, we emailed him a while back. I said, hey, how do you think through roles that you take in shows? Because you can imagine being a strong Christian in that environment, he's got to really think it through. Like, if I get a call from a certain kind of show saying, hey, come play this role in the show, as a Christian, I've got to have a grid that I think through and how I say yes or no to things. So one of his grids is if a show or a role in a show is a fairly neutral character in the show, but it's not a show that you would typically think of a Christian being on, right? Then he submits himself to his wife and to his church. He goes to his pastor and he says, hey, this show called, like, what do you think? And he says to his wife, what do you think about this? And if they say no, they say, no, that's a violation of our conscience. Like, we just can't, I can't see you doing that and that being a good situation. Then he says, no, I can't do it. And so it's his way of submitting himself to the church, his way of submitting himself to his wife in this area, saying, I'm not going to do something that violates my conscience, my wife's conscience, the church's conscience in his acting career. I'll also tell you this morning that if you, if you find yourself never being convicted in your conscience, right? If you're a person that, that just looks at the rules, like, if it's not a rule that says I can't do it, then I'm going to do it. If you're that person, if you're never convicted in your conscience by the Holy Spirit, that also is a problem. That's a problem. If when it comes to the gray areas of life, you're just like, hey, if there's no stop sign, I'm moving forward, like that's going to be an issue. Because it shows that there's no conscience that's really connected and responding to the Holy Spirit in your life. You just say yes to everything unless someone can prove to you scripturally that it's against the law. That's an issue. That's a problem. And so Paul says, in, his, in this verse, 14, 14, Romans 14, 14, he says that something may not be sinful, but if it goes against your conscience and you do it, then for you it is sinful. 
for that person, it is sinful because it's going against their conscience. I want to give you three um, things here at the very end to think through as we navigate these issues. And you can write these down. These are the ones I might get questions about, which is okay. But here's the first point I want you to see. Some things that we think are black and white are really gray. And I'll give you one example of this. When I was growing up in a house with my parents, um, it was a Christian home, and my parents are very, very conservative when it comes to music. I mean, they were like, if I listened to Christian music with a beat, they were like, it's from the devil. That beat, those drums, the devil plays drums down in hell. Did you know that? Right? And so that's how they viewed any kind of music. And so if so it wasn't just an issue of like, secular versus Christian, it was like, that Christian music sounds like this, and it's sinful. And I, I was so confused, going, well, how do I, how do we know that? Like, how do you navigate all this? And so it wasn't until I got to college where I really began to have some clarity in how I viewed these things. And so my parents began to see things that were really a gray issue as very black and white. This is kind of how I was raised. And trust me this morning, I am, I, you need to respect your parents, I am not telling you this morning, rebel against your parents. I am simply saying, let's have the dialogue and talk it through. Let's figure out why we ascribe to certain things when it comes to this kind of thing. So when I got to college, you know, I was a person that did, I did see like, you know, I can't listen to any quote unquote secular music. That's how I viewed my life. It was Christian or like that was it. Then I began to wonder like, well, wait a second. My, my parents though, they say any kind of non-Christian music is wrong and sinful, but they watch TV like every night. Like Christian, non-Christian shows that are fairly neutral and tame, but they're still non-Christian shows. And I began to think through, like, well, that's kind of a little bit weird that some Christians think that way. Because some Christians will say things like, you know, any kind of secular music is totally sinful and wrong. And I would say, no, there's some neutral stuff out there that's not explicitly bad. It's fine to listen to as a Christian. But it is okay if in your conscience you say to yourself, for me, I'm not going to listen to that if it's a gray issue. It's fine to say it in your conscience, but you cannot sit there and say, this is a black and white, right or wrong issue when it comes to every form of quote-unquote secular music. You can't make it that black and white. You just can't. The next point I want you to see is some things that we think are gray are really black and white. So what I described to you earlier, there are some things that are really black and white, right and wrong. And you as a teenager cannot sit there and put everything in the gray category and say, well, you know, I mean, it's art. It's subjective. I mean, it's a song. The guy's expressing his sadness when his girlfriend broke up with him, and he used a lot of expletives to describe that situation. I mean, you can't justify some of these things. Um, with that kind of logic. Some things that we think are gray are really black and white. Last point I want you to see is this. Seek to understand your culture, but do not sin by doing so. As a Christian, it is our role to seek to understand the culture we live in, but not cross over into sin as we seek to understand our culture. So one way that I try to do this as a pastor is occasionally... I will just go to Spotify and go to, like, top 25 songs right now in our culture. Now, about half of them, 
I've got to stop them playing before they finish for obvious reasons. But I do. I want to know, like, what is our culture saying? What is our culture? How do they view certain things? I want to understand. I want to read. I want to understand what they're saying and why they're saying it. I want to understand what they value. So seek to understand your culture, but do not sin by doing so. Don't sin by doing so. And as we wrap up this morning, I want you to understand something that that many of you see the Christian life as like one big form of slavery. You just see it as like the Christian life is, is just no, 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 no. And then if I live in the world where I'm not a Christian, everything is yes, 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 and it's freedom. And you see Christianity as slavery. You see living in the world without Christ as a form of freedom. And I want to tell you this morning, I think you've got it reversed, though. I think you've got it totally reversed. Because when I read this book this week, the author Brent Crow, he described his own story, his own testimony, and he said that he also thought of Christianity as slavery before he really began to understand this concept. Read this quote with me. The problem with this worldview, meaning the worldview that Christianity is slavery and not freedom, is that it reduces Christianity to rules and regulations that eventually lead to boredom and a sense of entitlement. All the while, I failed to recognize the choices I was making were actually the chains that were binding me. And so the things that he was getting involved in, the things that he felt like, I'm expressing my freedom by partaking in this thing, he began to see those things as the very things that were binding him and enslaving him. And so if you're someone who says... You know, Christianity is slavery. A life without Christ is really freedom. You've got it reversed. A life without Christ is really slavery. And a life with Christ is freedom. And I want to challenge you to think of the Christian faith with that picture in mind. Let's go ahead and discuss your last few questions at your tables. Go ahead and discuss.